Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. The recording you're hearing is a selection of music from the operetta A Southern Maid, as provided by the Mayfair Orchestra in London, England, on an HMV recording in 1920. This music was played at the official opening of the medium wave station 2FC in Sydney, Australia, on Thursday evening, January 10th, 1924. This edition of WaveScan was researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, in the United States. This is edition NWS 635 for release on Sunday, April 25th, 2021. On WaveScan today, the St. Vincent Volcanic Eruption. Our Ancient DX Report for 1924, Part 1, and our Australian DX Report. Beautiful white and black sand beaches, lush mountains and valleys, rivers, hidden waterfalls, and multiple islands and islands, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. We are a friendly people, welcoming tourists from all over the world with exotic boutiques and luxury hotels and a hospitable business environment. Let's make all tourists welcome at our international airport, on cruises, on yachts, on sailboats, on land and sea boats, at beach lines, at our restaurant shops and bars, and at our national festivals. St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Tourism is everyone's business. Live it, love it, embrace it. Tourism is everyone's business. Live it, love it, embrace it. A radio commercial there from the St. Vincent Ministry of Tourism. Normally a paradise for tourists, a recent massive volcanic eruption on St. Vincent Island in the Caribbean on Friday, April 9th, 2021, produced an ash plume seven and a half miles high. It spread the fine volcanic ash over the Atlantic Ocean as far as Spain in continental Europe. A subsequent explosion three days later at 4.30 a.m. on the Monday was so massive that it could be seen on a radar screen on the island of Martinique, 100 miles distant. The major volcano, Mount La Soufrière, is located toward the north of the island of St. Vincent, and it's noted for its occasional explosive eruptions over the historic years. Here's Ray Robinson with more on the St. Vincent volcanic eruption. Thanks, Jeff. In areas close to the mountain, falling ashes damaged homes and caused the collapse of roofing. The local airport was closed, widespread power outages were reported, and there was a shortage of clean water. Fortunately thus far, no deaths or injuries have been reported. People living near this volcanic Mount Soufriere were under a mandatory order of evacuation, and some 4,000 people are now temporarily housed in 84 government shelters. It's anticipated that in total some 16,000 people will need to evacuate. As a safety precaution, four empty tourist ships are on standby in the island's nearby port at the capital city, Kingstown. Thus far, one small group of 130 people has been taken by boat to a nearby island, St Lucia. 
St Vincent Island is 18 miles long and 11 miles wide, and it lies towards the southern end of the long chain of islands that form the extreme eastern boundary of the Caribbean. St Vincent is the largest island in the nation of St Vincent and the Grenadines, with a population of 130,000. There's a total of around 70 small islands, islets and keys making up St Vincent and the Grenadines, though their official list of significant islands is numbered at 32, with just nine inhabited. Most of the beach sand on St Vincent is black due to the volcanic eruptions that have occurred over the millennia. The original inhabitants were of Carib origin, and over the years these islands have come under the influence of peoples from Africa, England, France, Spain, Portugal and India. The main island, St Vincent, was named by the famous Iberian explorer Christopher Columbus in 1498. It was back on March 1st, 1925, that the international communication company Cable & Wireless placed into service the first commercial radio transmitter on the island of St Vincent. During that era, C&W interconnected all of the major islands of the Eastern Caribbean by cable and by low-powered shortwave radio. The first radio programme in St Vincent was produced and broadcast by an amateur radio station at the request of the International DX's Alliance in the United States. That special one-time-only broadcast went on the air at midnight on Friday night, May 26, 1939, and it was presented by Weston H. Lewis over his amateur station VP2SA. In the pre-war era, it was a common procedure for amateur radio operators to broadcast speech and music in entertainment and informational programmes, and generally no special licensing was required. The 1939 broadcast from VP2SA on St Vincent Island was directed to the United States on 7108 kHz, 42.21 metres, in what was described as the 40-metre amateur radio band. QSL cards verifying that special radio broadcast were promised, though they were not posted out until almost a year later. The first arrival of a VP2SA QSL card in the United States was in May 1940. The specially printed card was described as black print on a pink card. Another 14 years later, and Weston Lewis, with his radio equipment under the call sign VP2SA, was on the air again with radio programming, this time for the local population in his own island country, St Vincent. It was in August 1954, Weston began a weekly hour-long broadcast on behalf of the local government. Each broadcast was made up in quarter-hour segments, containing news, sports, music, talks and religious information. These broadcasts were on the air each Sunday from 2100 to 2200 local time with 400 watts on 3336 kHz. These preliminary amateur radio programme broadcasts on St Vincent ended in 1957 with the intent that some form of local radio broadcasting would be implemented. However, in the meantime, radio events in the Eastern Caribbean were taking a different turn. Four of the nearby Windward Island nations, Grenada, Dominica, St Lucia and St Vincent, began planning a new combined radio service. 
Under this system, the Windward Islands Broadcasting Service, WIBS Grenada, began to provide a daily tropical shortwave broadcasting service to the three other island nations in 1954. Each of these small countries then rebroadcast the combined programming on tropical shortwave to their own populations. At the end of each relay of the combined programming, the four local shortwave stations presented their own local programming to their own people. We'd suggest that the internal local shortwave service on the other three islands was initially provided by the already operational C&W transmitters. However, subsequently a small medium wave unit was installed in each island nation and the St Vincent station operated on 1570 kHz with just 25 watts. In 1965, the World Radio TV handbook shows a new transmitter at 500 watts on 705 kHz. And in the mid-1960s, an additional medium-wave relay station was installed at Chateau Belair on the central west coast of St Vincent Island with 100 watts on 1515 kHz, though the operating frequency was soon afterwards changed to 1535 kHz. The four-nation combined WIBS service was on the air for somewhere around 20 years, and then in the early 1970s, the radio stations in each of the four nations, Grenada, Dominica, St Lucia and St Vincent, began to go independent. The new and independent Radio St Vincent was formed on January 3, 1972, with the use of the then current studio equipment in the capital city, Kingstown, together with the two medium-wave transmitters, in Kingstown with 500 watts on 705 kHz, and in Chateau Belair with 100 watts on 1535 kHz. Soon afterwards, a new 10 kilowatt unit was installed in Kingstown, and the Chateau Belair relay station was closed. After the turn of the century, a new 10 kilowatt medium wave station on 700 kHz was installed at a new location in Kingstown. Ultimately, though, medium wave was dropped in 2010, and instead an island-wide FM network was implemented. Interestingly, an additional medium wave station was active on St Vincent for about 20 years, beginning in the late 1970s. This additional station, with 10 kilowatts on 1450 kHz, was a slave relay station, rebroadcasting programming from the ambitious Radio Antilles on the island of Montserrat. This is Radio Antilles from Montserrat, West Indies. Broadcasting on 930 kilohertz, 322 meters, medium wave. However, the parent station, Radio Antilles on Montserrat, was badly damaged by Hurricane Hugo in 1989, and then it was totally obliterated six years later by a volcanic eruption in 1995. Apparently, the medium-wave relay station in Kingstown St Vincent was just simply abandoned. It's possible that the new 10 kilowatt for Radio St Vincent at a new location in this century was simply that old Radio Antilles relay station, refurbished and upgraded. Radio St Vincent station ZBG, with 10 kilowatts on 700 kilohertz, finally left the air in 2010. Their full-data QSL cards are indeed now a valuable historic collector's item. 
These days there are nearly a score of FM stations on St Vincent Island, though probably most of them have been put off the air by the current volcanic eruption and by the loss of electric power in most areas. Thank you very much, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. And here's a recording now of a recent broadcast by the national radio station in St. Vincent, NBC Radio. NBC Radio, 19.7 and 107.5 FM. FM. In a world that changes every minute, NBC Radio is the news leader in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Grenadines. What is volcanic ash? Volcanic ash is composed of fine particles of fragmented volcanic rock less than 2 millimeters in diameter. Volcanic ash is often hot, very close to the volcano, but is cool when it falls at greater distances. It is formed during volcanic explosions from avalanches of hot rock that flow down the side of volcanoes or from red-hot liquid lava spray. Large ash deposits can incorporate into existing soils and become the future topsoil of the volcanic region. And that was NBC Radio in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Our ancient DX report now for 1924. The year 1924 experienced a tremendous upsurge in the radio broadcasting scene, with entertainment and information stations springing up by the hundreds in major countries all around the world. In Europe, the emphasis was upon the usage of what became the long wave broadcasting band, and in the United States, the emphasis was upon what has since become the standard international medium wave band. However, at the same time, there was a growing interest also in the usage of shortwave transmissions for continental and international coverage, as well as for use as a program feed from a central location to distant relay transmitters. And Ray has some information about other important radio developments in 1924. One event that spurred on the rapid expansion of radio broadcasting was the development of the superheterodyne principle of radio tuning by Edwin H. Armstrong. During the year 1924, RCA in the United States marketed the first superhet radio receivers. Wireless Weekly in Australia stated on January 18, 1924, quote, The more we think of shortwaves for radio transmission, the more the idea appeals, unquote. And the ever-popular American journal Radio News for September 1924 echoed the same concept when they stated that they were, quote, thoroughly aware that shortwave broadcasting will bring forth the greatest future development in radio broadcasting, unquote. Back in 1906, before World War I, the Marconi Company in England had promoted the installation of a cascade chain of high-powered long-wave communication stations, known as Beam Wireless, running from England, ultimately, to Australia and New Zealand. However, due to Marconi's experiments with shortwave after the war, the network of hideously expensive beam wireless stations was abandoned in favour of a more economical shortwave network. In an endeavour to stimulate friendship between the United States and England, a week-long series of test transmissions was conducted towards the end of November 1924. 
During that time, a total of eight British Broadcasting Company medium wave stations presented special programming for listeners in North America, and a score of American medium wave stations presented special programming for listeners in England. Several thousand listeners on both sides of the Atlantic participated in this now historic week of transatlantic radio tests. In Australia, there was intense rivalry between the two organisations that were interested in establishing the first radio broadcasting stations there. It depends on what you consider is the beginning of a radio broadcasting station as to which came first in this pair of early radio broadcasting stations. The one using the calls 2HP, 2SB and then 2BL, and the other 2MB, then 2FC and 2RN. The development of both of these stations began in a very similar manner. The origins of the now well-known ABC radio station 2FC in Sydney can be traced way back to June 5, 1923, when a small 10-watt station was inaugurated by Oswald Anderson in Paling's Music Shop in Sydney under the call sign 2MB. In July, the Postmaster General Department issued a licence for a new radio broadcasting station, the first radio broadcasting licence in Australia, licence number one. The projected call sign for this new radio station was 2LO, as in London, England, though when the station was inaugurated with a regular schedule of programme broadcasting on January 10, 1924, the official call sign had been changed and it then became 2FC, indicating the station's ownership, Farmer and Company. The inaugural programme for the opening of 2SB 2FC in 1924 was a complete presentation of the operetta A Southern Maid, with Gladys Moncrief singing the title role. Today this station is still on the air, now with 50 kilowatts, the maximum permitted power in Australia, on 576 kilohertz, under the generic ABC call sign 2RN for the Radio National Channel. The amateur call sign under which the other early station began was 2HP in October 1923. This station was inaugurated with regular programming in November 1923 under the call sign 2SB. However, that call sign was changed again to 2BL on March 1st of the following year, 1924. This ABC radio station in Sydney, now also with 50 kilowatts on 702 kHz, is still on the air under the same 97-year-old call sign, 2BL. Originally, the BL stood for Broadcasters Sydney Limited, and these days the station identifies as ABC Radio Sydney, with regional programming for the area. Interestingly, two early radio broadcasting stations in Chicago underwent a somewhat similar series of call sign changes back during the 1924 era. That pair of radio stations has been known best as WGN and WLS. Back nearly 100 years ago, the Chicago Tribune daily newspaper took over the program operation of the already established radio station WGAZ and they launched their own programming over that station under the call sign WGN on March 29, 1924. However, three months later, the Chicago Tribune purchased another already established station, WDAP, and on June 1, 1924, they changed the call sign of that station to WGN. 
the internationally known Sears Roebuck catalogue store in Chicago began the construction of their own radio broadcasting station in 1924. While their own studios were still under construction, Sears produced programming in the studios of another station, WMAQ, and broadcast that over their own transmitter under the call sign WBBX. The inaugural date for that brief programming series was March 21, 1924. When the installation of their new studios was completed, Sears began a three-day series of test broadcasts on April the 9th, under the call sign WES for World's Economy Store. But then on April the 12th, the station began regular programme broadcasting under the call sign WLS. And right up to this day, both WGN and WLS in Chicago are still on the air. Radio station WGN, standing for the world's greatest newspaper, with 50 kilowatts, is heard on 720 kilohertz. The Blackhawks, Wildcats, and the NFL play here on AM 720. And on smart speakers, just say play WGN Chicago. And radio station WLS, for the world's largest store, also with 50 kilowatts, is heard on 890 kilohertz. This is Brent Musburger's Action Update on 890 WLS. This Action Update brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts, your professional parts people. Thank you again, Ray Robinson. Let's go all the way out to Australia now. Here's Bob Padula in Melbourne. We'll begin our program this time with our usual information from the Ionospheric Prediction Service in Sydney, New South Wales, here in Australia. The IPS advises that the level of solar activity has now reached very low. The 10.7 centimetre solar radio flux has dropped to 73, and the daily equivalent smooth sunspot number has fallen to single digit 9. The IPS also reports that those figures are not expected to change significantly in the immediate future. The new sunspot cycle, number 25, has been no sign of any new activity at this point. So it means that propagation on the higher frequencies will continue to be rather poor on darkness or semi-darkness paths on frequencies above about 10 MHz. However, frequencies above 10 MHz on the uh, daylight path will be somewhat more reliable. In the meantime, some monitoring notes made here in Melbourne in the afternoon, our mid or early to mid-afternoon period. This is between 0350 and 0400, 12035. Voice of America with the Diwa program from Udon in Thailand with broadcasts in Pash 2. 12025 NHK Radio Japan broadcasting from the Yamata transmitting site in Japanese 12000 China Radio International broadcasting in English from the Kashi transmitting station 11985 Radio Free Asia from the Kuwait relay station with programming in Chinese and interesting to note that that's a daylight circuit um, from Kuwait right through to China. 11935 China National Radio Network 5 that's one of the domestic services in Chinese. 
1105 China National Radio Network 6 that's another domestic service this time in the Amoy language and that's on the same frequency 11905 as the voice of the Islamic Republic of Iran in Arabic and 11870 the BBC from the Middle Eastern Relay 11860 Saudi Arabian Broadcasting Service with Arabic and 11850 Radio Havana Cuba with programming in Spanish 11825 a very very strong signal from Radio Romania International with broadcast in English and 11810 the voice of the Islamic Republic of Iran with programming in Russian and 11860 China National Radio Network 2 in Chinese and 11775 the Sound of Hope the politically based station broadcasting from Taiwan with programs in Chinese it's also on 11765 and 11760 China National Radio Network 1 in Chinese and 11670 another Chinese frequency this time China National Radio Network 2 11570 Radio Free Asia broadcasting from Tinian Island that's in the Marianas Islands with programs in Chinese Thanks, Bob. And I just want to quickly thank Francis Lawler in Dublin, Ireland, for sending us a reception report for WaveScan, heard at 2300 UTC on 7780 kHz from Okeechobee. Gladys Moncrief, an Australian soprano, sings A Southern Maid, the same song she sang at the time of the official opening of Medium Wave 2FC in Sydney on Thursday evening, January 10th, 1924. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrienne Peterson. Thanks to Radio Netherlands Media Network for the historic ID from Radio Antilles in today's show. Next week, the radio scene in Brazil, the early medium wave years, and our Japan DX report. Several QSL cards are available for WaveScan. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports to the AWR address in Bangkok, Thailand, and also to the station your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa, or to IRRS Italy or to the AWR relay stations that carry WaveScan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air. Here in the program, they will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSLs is qsl at awr.org. The postal address for AWR QSLs is Adventist World Radio. P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, Bangkok, 
210-110-1110, Thailand. Again, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. And the email address for other correspondence to WaveScan is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, in the U.S. Till next week, good listening, everyone. <laughs> 